Good morning and welcome to another installment of ForestWorks on Radio NL, Kamloops 610 AM. We're the show that talks about all things forestry, the people, the stories, and the places of British Columbia's single largest industry. Tune in Saturday mornings at 7 AM here on Radio NL for the latest ForestWorks report. I'm your host, Stuart Muir. If you want to know more about the ForestWorks project, check out our website, forestworks.ca. There's also a ForestWorks podcast. You can find it through your favorite podcast app. ForestWorks is brought to you by ResourceWorks, looking at how responsible development of British Columbia's natural resources creates jobs and incomes throughout the province, both directly and indirectly, while maintaining a clean and healthy environment. Now let's get to today's guest. Today we're talking to David L. Stone, who has been a registered professional forester in BC since 1998. David is the editor of View from the Stump, a monthly newsletter that provides on-the-ground perspective of the BC forest industry, information that's valuable to businesses and communities involved in the forest resource. He's formerly the executive director of the Truck Loggers Association. Dave has one of the most informed perspectives I know of out there on forest issues, and that's why I'm so happy he's here with us today. Good morning, David. Hi, Stuart. Thank you for having me. What an eventful week it has been in forestry in BC. On Tuesday, a judge in Nanaimo refused to extend an injunction that had been allowing forest workers in the Ferry Creek area, southern Vancouver Island, to do their jobs. Blockaders have been set up in the woods for months now, causing danger, disruption for a cause that increasingly nobody can even figure out why they're there. Protest organizations called illegal development on Tuesday a short-term victory, but you know, for workers and the local First Nation, the woods are now an unsafe place to be. David, you're a veteran of conflict. You've got an international perspective. You always seem to have a balanced view on things, and, and you've seen these conflicts on all sides. I want to get into what your views are on Ferry Creek, but before we do that, what is your story in forestry? How did you get into a forest career Dave Elstone. <laughs> well, you know, it's very similar to what's happening with Ferry Creek. And there's a whole bunch of misinformation there, that, which is the undercurrent of that issue. And that's why I got into forestry, because I actually wanted to know what was happening in our province with, with forestry. I was inspired as a, as a teenager to go straight from high school into UBC forestry. And that's where I studied forestry and, and became a forester. Now, that was an era of the so-called War in the Woods version one. That's when you came of Asian forestry, isn't it? Exactly. I just had finished uh, high school and was right in the middle of uh, my university studies when the clay quat sound mess ha happened, the big battles. Uh, and I was, uh, you know, it was quite something to be involved in forestry, to see the, the, the birth of the forest practices code and how that uh, led to the changes in our industry. Now, you're you're not a paper pusher. I mean, I know you do administrative work, I guess, but you're also out there on the cut block. You're out there on the roads. You're doing all that work. Uh, that's that's a place you're familiar with some of the time. And I just I just wonder what what should we think about what's going on in Ferry Creek right now from a perspective of the workers who are out there? You know, they want to get home to their families. They don't want to have an injury, yet they're facing a lot of dangers that should not be in the workplace because of these blockades. What's your view on that, Dave? Well, actually, Stuart, I, I've been worked in the field as a forester, and I've worked at a 30,000 foot level following the, the global forest product market. And I've never seen anything such as what we have in Fairy Creek. I think BC, one of my UBC professors used to say, BC is it. And it's one of the most unique places in the world. And one of the most strange is probably for forest management in many respects. 
And what I see out there is, you know, is a very challenging situation. Uh, there is a lot of passionate people, you know, obviously on both sides of this issue. And it's really quite a struggle to, to sort of sometimes see the, the path forward. But I really do have to feel for the forestry workers, they're just doing their job. In many respects, just like the RSMP are just doing their job of the courts. And to see what's happening, what at least I see on Facebook and see in the media in terms of the pictures, and it just, you know, my heart goes out to this issue in terms of the, the struggles that people are facing just to try and earn a, a dollar to, to feed their families and, yeah. and, and put food on the table. Yeah. Now, ostensibly, these protesters are there to do with old growth, but we know there's no old growth being logged in that area. It's second growth. There is some old growth in the area, but it's all protected. And the Pechidat First Nation has been asking these protesters to leave. And those protesters are saying, no, we won't leave. But they're also holding themselves up as being some sort of indigenous champions, even though they are disrespecting the local First Nation. So it, it, when I say it's, it's becoming quite unclear what this protest is about, I mean, what, what, what do you think it's about? <laughs> That's a great, great point, uh, Stuart, in that this, the old growth battle at Fair Creek has been conflated into many, many issues. And when you start having conversations with other people, you quick really realize that they're just taking what they see out of it and not even talking about the old growth sometimes. And what I think is the, where it frustrates me is that the, the amount of misinformation out there and how everything gets uh, twisted and turned and, you know, definitely creates a, a massive amount of distrust, probably from both sides. But to a large degree, uh, you know, this is an issue of, of non-issue in that, like you said, Fair Creek itself is protected, was before it was even uh, a battleground. And that frustrates me the most about this is that the vast majority of that watershed was protected. And I don't I even understand what people are protesting about, if I could mm -hmm. say that in a general sense. Sure. Here's a question I get a lot, and maybe you can throw some light onto it, Dave, which is, okay, there is old growth that's logged. I mean, that's definitely the case. And uh, there's complete transparency built about that. There's a scientific argument for this. For maybe the average person who doesn't follow forestry the way we do, could you put in perspective, just explain how old growth, whatever that is, I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of old growth too, how it fits in and should we log old growth? Is, is it okay to do that? Yes. We should be logging old growth. We will never run out of old growth. That's one of the problems with this battle or this issue that we see in front of us is that you know, misinformation has created this image that we are upon the cusp of eliminating all our old growth, which is far from the truth. Even the research that was done had some question marks around it. It didn't include vast amount of old growth that was set aside specifically for conservation purposes. We will never run out because we have m many areas already conserved. To say that we're about to destroy Fairy Creek through the harvesting of what Teal Jones is doing is, is just absolutely ludicrous. Mm -hmm. When majority of that watershed was already protected, we, we can go forward with balance. We may have to rebalance, which is what the province is doing right now. They are looking at ways to rebalance things, but we will be able to go forward with the concept of a balanced uh, approach. Mm -hmm. So you've said there is enough old growth that if it is logged on the coast or is it across BC in general, would you include the interior in that characterization, Dave, to be a sustainable long-term part of the forest industry? Well, you know, this is, this is what drives me nuts about 
this issue is, you know, what is old growth and where, where is it? What do you think old growth is and what should be protected? My opinion, the discussion about old growth should not be using the word old growth. It should be in, in the terms of province wide. Every, every discussion that is occurring now should be on a local basis. We should be looking at how we're preserving our forests or conserving our forests. I don't like the word preserving actually, because that uh, means we'll just, we won't ever manage them, but conserving our forests should be done on a local basis with the guidance and direction of the local first nations. It should be a more specific local or regional discussion and not this province-wide discussion that's being presented as we shall stop old growth harvesting in British Columbia. And this talking point I hear over and over that only 3% of BC's old growth is left. And that's why they're saying that there needs to be some sort of dramatic action to put a moratorium on old growth. Uh, What do you make of this claim, this 3% claim? Because I hear it popping up all over the place. And I've looked into it. I have my own views. I want to hear your views on it, Dave. Well, I've heard some academics say that it uh, actually, if reputable, very reputable academics say that it's not a true number. And I don't believe it either, especially when, you know, that number was based off of um, not including 3% of the province, uh, about 3 million hectares of the Great Bear Rainforest was not included in that number. So, you know, again, it's the imagery and the storylines that have been created by the anti-old growth harvesting campaign has been extremely, extremely effective. And, you know, they should win an Academy Award for what they're doing because <laughs> they're, they're very effective at convincing a whole ton of people, including past prime ministers and, and many celebrities into what, what, what's happening out there, which is, which is not true. Mm-hmm. How have they been able to get in people's heads with something that's not true? What do you think is the factor there? Is it the modern media age with social media? Is it some sort of environmental desire to be harmonized with the universe? Is it, is it something that's more, you know, close to how people want to live and aspirations? What, what's behind this, David? Oh, well, you've definitely, you know, almost covered it at all in many respects, but you know, it's, it's, if you try and break it down, there's, you know, first of all, you know, the actual delivery of the messaging through social media has been an extremely visual and effective. You know, I've seen imagery which showed the harvesting of all of Stanley Park, you know, that those type of images that show us, you know, like Stanley Park is a clear cut, uh, next to the city of Vancouver, you know, definitely stir emotions. They're teddy bear images, but just the, the, the adaptability and the ability f- for these campaigners to basically seize on so many issues and bring it into the, the old growth fold. Just, you know, they're continuously getting headlines, continuously making, making stories that many people are, have emotional ties to. And so they continue to build support for people that don't really want to spend the time to dig into the issues. David Elstone, fascinating to listen to you. We're on ForestWorks on Radio 1L this morning. All things forestry are here. For more information, check out forestworks.ca. Listen to our podcast and all your favorite podcast apps, ForestWorks. And I'm your host, Stuart Muir. Today, I'm with David Elstone, former executive director of the Truck Loggers Association. Today, he does all sorts of, of interesting work, including he's editor of View from the Stump. Now, Dave, that's been a really interesting conversation on what's happening in Ferry Creek. Let's turn our attention. I'd like to talk about safety. You know, as the as the head of the Truck Loggers Association, you represented the contractors all over the province. I remember a couple of years ago and 
downtown Vancouver, standing with mayors and MLAs from all over BC at the intersection of Hastings and Burrard as hundreds of logging trucks showed up. They drove down the highway, down through the valley, into downtown Vancouver to remind provincial politicians that they're struggling. Are things any better or worse now, two years later? What do you think? Yeah, that was a pretty amazing event to hear the the horns honking of the trucks as they approached the city center. It was a sort of mournful whale call sound almost as they were approaching. Standing up, our office had a, a balcony and you can hear these moaning of the trucks as they're coming close and closer. Quite a stirring imagery I found you know, watching them come through. I handed out over 450 bumper stickers that day to truckers. It was a great, uh, great time. Now, what did it ha- What happened? Well, I think it certainly got the attention of people in Vancouver that day. It certainly got the attention of the, the government, but government never moves very fast. And so to, to say something exactly happened out of that event, hard to say. Is thing, are things better for contractors? Well, uh, you know, we do have the contractor sustainability review issue uh, with the changes to the Bill 13 or the timber harvesting contract or subcontractor regulation. Those changes came to effect just recently. I wrote about that in my newsletter and it was a, it was a top issue at my time at the TLA. So that seemed to kind of give me an effect, although, you know, we just went through a period of high, high number prices. I never heard, heard any logging contractors jumping up uh, for joy and telling me they're earning record margins. But Mm -hmm. so I'm assuming things are better. I think things are slightly better, but I still think the underlying issues that were talked about with the contractor sustainability issue are still there aside from the bill 13 issue with the fair market rate test. Yeah. Let's come back to policy in a minute uh, while we have time on today's forest work show. I want to ask you about safety. You know, we see the protesters, we've got uh, tree spiking going on, we've got helipads in the woods being vandalized that could create uh, danger for, for helicopters landing workers into the woods. We've got road blockades, we have these weird human obstacles involving different exotic uh, devices that are manufactured on the spot to you know, make it slower and more difficult for workers to get to the job. We've seen vandalizing of equipment. Thousands of, of dollars in equipment is just regularly vandalized. Even a ambulance brake lines were cut, according to a report from Lake Cowichan over the summer Terrible. by somebody. And you know, these dangers are, are absolutely uh, shocking that there's someone out there who, who has such hatred in their heart for other human beings that they would do these things. What is going through, you know, I, I don't think people are listen, who are listening are necessarily all forest workers. I bet there's lots of forest people listening. But for people who aren't, you know, what are the factors in the, the mind of a contractor, a worker who's on the tools, in the woods, in the manufacturing sites, like a sawmill, pulp and paper mill? Like what, what are some of the concerns and dangers for themselves, their families that they have? What, let's, let's go through those. Give me a few of them, please. Well, you know, Stuart, look, you know, hand falling, which is what you have to do with those type of forests, where they are in the southern Vancouver Island, harvesting those trees and have, you know, people I've seen the pictures, guys running around full on buck naked around right around the fallers and, and harassing the fallers. It's very well known fact that tree falling is, is the number one most dangerous jostle activity you can do. And you have to be fully in the mode, fully in the mindset 
to concentrate on what you're doing in terms of following a tree and surviving. To have somebody running around, throwing stuff at you, you know, worrying about if you're going to hurt themselves or hurt, you know, or hurt the, the person running around, that is totally unacceptable. And I think if the government really wants to do something, they should establish these operating areas, the where where the harvest openings are, as designated work sites, which have people excluded, except for you know people that are supposed to be there, and have that enforceable by WorkSafe BC. And you know these people do not deserve this. It's absolute you know criminal activity in my mind, and that uh, you know these workers on the site should not have to put up with this. You know, Dave, this week, Canadians celebrated the first Truth and Reconciliation Day. And everywhere around the country, people had their orange shirts on. They were giving thoughts to the historical legacies that need to be converted into a positive future through being honest about our historical legacy and finding whatever that path is for those who are who are seeking it to get to where Indigenous people want to be in this country. And it's at the very same time as the local First Nation in Ferry Creek was for the, I think, the sixth time they had asked these protesters to leave for the sixth time, the protesters said, uh, forget about it. We're here. We're not interested in, in First Nations views. How important is the forest opportunity across the vast area of of British Columbia in allowing reconciliation to occur for First Nations? How does it fit in? It's absolutely vital. The first step, from what I understand, to reconciliation is is the healing of the land. And I think that you know every First Nation, every Indigenous group has has the right to see what they view as as the best approach to managing that land base in their territory implemented. And some First Nations will, won't want any harvesting, as we've seen some express that, or they want to see a, a management plan that represents their views in place. So there's been some moratoriums or deferrals put in place. Even the Pachita, they have said, hey, we were putting our, our management plan in place. We're going to defer harvesting and we'll figure out a plan. It may include harvesting, it may not include harvesting in the future. We will see. Mm-hmm. But this, is, this needs to go across the province. And that's what the premier and his minister uh, for us is doing right now. They're consulting with First Nations. Minister Conroy. Minister Conroy. They're taking their time. They're gonna, hopefully going to get it right. You know, government doesn't always get it right, but hopefully they will. Uh, and it will take time to have the, the protesters at Fair Creek and the, and the anti-old growth harvesting movement say it needs to be stopped now. Look, we're not going to run out of trees of, for harvesting old growth in the next few years as we go through this process. It's not something we can do overnight. It takes time. Yep. I think there is, you know, this is the path forward. There is no other path other than having a relationship built and strengthened with First Nations. Right. Agree or disagree? The antics in Ferry Creek are intended to create pressure on the provincial government so it makes decisions that it doesn't necessarily want to make, but feels forced to because of the pressures that the activists are creating. Yes or no? Agree? Agree. Yeah. That's really what that's about then, right? Look, we're getting close to the end of our time here with Dave Elstone. I'd like to throw one curveball at you, Dave. You're king of BC for a day, just been named king. What's your solution? What's your advice to Premier John Horgan to get past this conflict, get to a better place so everyone wins? Everyone, no matter where they are, 
what their views on. We all care about the planet. We all care about forests. What's the solution? That's a tough question in many respects because it depends on what time. And if we look at the chronological order of things, I think the industry and the government both failed the people of British Columbia when they weren't activated much sooner in this issue. They let the old growth campaigners have a massive platform and let this thing get very big. Now, if I was going to say today, what should you do? I think pretty much what the government is doing right now, taking their time, talking with First Nations, gathering the input from the nations, as well as the industry, and figuring out a plan going forward. That's all we can do. So there you go. There's some advice for the premier, the provincial government to stay doing what you're doing, because these processes are happening all over the province, and we shouldn't be pressured by just one small sliver of the population. I I ran the numbers. I think I ran out of population of BC is 5.1 million people. There's maybe a thousand people tops in in the woods there. That's 0.00002% of the population. Should we let that fraction of the population drive outcomes for everyone in the province, Dave Elstone? No, we should be letting the communities, not the urbanites, but the communities rely on the forest, the workers rely on the forest, and the indigenous people that rely on the forest have the greatest voice. That's all we've got time for today. We've had David Elstone. He's the author of View from the Stump, a regular newsletter on forest issues, and one of the most interesting people I get to talk to in in my work with ForestWorks and ResourceWorks. Hey, we have a podcast, forestworks.ca. You can find out about it. Also, any podcast platform that you prefer, whichever one, Spotify or Google or Apple or what what have you, it's there and it's called ForestWorks, just like the radio show this morning. Tune into ForestWorks next Saturday morning on Radio NL and find out the latest on forestry in British Columbia. Thanks for tuning in. 